0: Welcome to the Good Chris Adelphian Talks podcast. This is Brother Brian. This week's talk is an exhortation that's given by Brother Jesse Brown at the Christ Church North Meeting in New Zealand on October 3rd, last year, 2020. His focus is on the familiar but perhaps overlooked aspect of our discipleship, which is the need for consistently practicing and embracing brotherly love amongst one another. And he makes a point to highlight the need to build first on our foundation of Philadelphia love before trying to tackle the lofty goal of agape, or self-sacrificing love. One of my favorite points that Brother Jesse makes is how we are to show our desire to be part of God's family and live up to the name of Christadelphia, which is literally Christ, brethren, by first building and demonstrating that love and care for our ecclesia, which may come easy for some, but it may be harder to prove for others when perhaps we are not naturally close with or on the same page with other members of our ecclesia. Do we truly show hospitality to all or just the ones that we're comfortable with? Do we honor all of our members? Or do we still bear grudges or hard feelings about something that was said years ago? Are we the first ones to call and find out how a brother or sister is doing if they're not there on a Sunday morning? This message was a great reality check for me here as locally in the Philadelphia area We are finally allowed to be back in full attendance after 14 months of COVID restrictions. And yet, there is an accepted feeling that there may be some that just don't come back or that we won't see in person again. And in light of the parable of the lost sheep, we can be reminded that we are not to be satisfied with a partial return or even 99% attendance. But as our Heavenly Father zealously cares for us, we are to continue to mine and explore the depths of Philadelphia love and seek the lost until we've restored our brethren, until the last one comes home. I mean, we know these things and we know how to do them. So are we? We hope this strengthens your faith and brightens your day. Brother Jesse Brown, let brotherly love continue.
2: If you stopped attending meeting tomorrow, how long would it take for people to notice? I'm not saying to try this, just think about it. (laughs) Who in the Ecclesia would notice that you're not around? Who would miss you? Who would be the first person to contact you to ask you how you are? Or who do you know well enough to know whether they're sick, traveling, visiting another ecclesia, or just not coming? Who would you feel comfortable contacting? If something terrible happens in your life, who knows you well enough to provide comfort? Who would you trust to see you without your Sunday best clothes and your end best attitude? Who would walk beside you if you walked through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death? Who do you know well enough to provide help and comfort for? Bear ye one another's burdens, and so, fulfill the law of Christ. It's Galatians 6 verse 2. We call ourselves Christadelphian, Christ's brethren. In our name is the idea that we have been baptized into the family of God. We've been called to be part of the family of Yahweh, our father who is in heaven and of the Lord Jesus Christ, our most exalted brother, the first fruits of the resurrection. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns by God's grace, we will all be part of the perfect family of God, manifesting his name with unnumbered saints of old. However, before Christ's kingdom comes, we've been put into an imperfect ecclesial family with brothers and sisters who just happen to live in the same area and time as us. And God tells us to love them. Our ecclesial family today is our training ground, and our love for them is an indication of our love for God. The Apostle John tells us this in 1 John 4. Please turn with me there. 1 John chapter 4, reading verse 11 to 12, and then 20 to 21. Beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfect, perfected in us. If a, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. If we love one another, God dwells in us. If we love one another, God's love is perfected in us. If we don't love each other and say that we serve God, we're lies. It's pretty black and white. So we ask again, how do we treat our brethren? Peter, in his first epistle, commands us in chapter 3, in verse 8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. Love as brethren. The word is Philadelphos. We talk a lot about having self-sacrificing agape love for one another, and we should. But how much do we talk about having brotherly love or Philadelphia love for each other? Agape love and brotherly love aren't mutually exclusive. We can't just say, I have agape for brother X or sister Y, so I don't need to have brotherly love for them. Not that we would say it in that way at all, even to ourselves. But do we act that way? Peter seems to put brotherly love as a foundation for agape if we read 1 Peter 1 and verse 22 to 23. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth, Through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, Philadelphia, see that ye love, Agape, one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth for ever. Since the believers were walking in the Spirit with brotherly love for one another, Peter called them to add agape to the Philadelphia they were already showing for each other. He repeats this idea again in his second epistle, in Second Peter 1, verse 5 to 8. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness Philadelphia and to Philadelphia, Agape. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you, that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Adding to the faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience and godliness, the believers were supposed to have brotherly love for each other, and add to all of that, agape, the self-sacrificing love of each other. Philadelphia here is a foundation for agape. Paul makes an even closer connection in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9. But as touching Philadelphia, brotherly love, you know that you need not that I write unto you, For ye yourselves are taught of God to agape one another. Paul says he doesn't need to write to them about Philadelphia because they are taught to agape each other. In this verse, Paul intertwines these two types of love, making them inseparable. So we can't say that this type of love isn't important. But what do the scriptures have to say about brotherly love? We've already looked at three of the five verses where the word Philadelphia occurs and the only place where the related word Philadelphos happens. The last two verses give us some details about what it looks like in the life of a believer. The fourth place where this word brotherly love pops up is Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 1. Let the brotherly love continue. The next two verses give us a couple of practical ways to show this brotherly love. Please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, and we'll read verse 2 and 3. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. There have been a few people that have fed and hosted angels without realising it. The one we may think of first is Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18, but our minds also go to Lot in Genesis 19, and Manoah and his wife in Judges 13. These brethren gave their best to strangers, not realizing they were hosting messengers of the living God. Think of these examples in the context of verse 1. Brotherly love is associated with hospitality. How much do we have our brothers and sisters in our homes? What about the ones in the ecclesia? that we are less comfortable with and not naturally attracted to? Do we host all without partiality, giving our best to everybody? At this point, I feel the need to point out that this exhortation is is just as much for me as everyone else. We are all caught up in our own business. We are all naturally selfish and self-interested. But in this life, we can't have the Lord Jesus Christ into our homes for fellowship. So how are we treating the people for whom the Lord died? Hebrews brings up another facet of brotherly love in verse 3. Caring for those who are imprisoned and suffering. Paul's language here is strong. Remember them. As if they were yourself. Remember them as though they were part of your whole body. It doesn't matter which part of the body is injured, the whole body adjusts for it. If you stub your little toe, your leg will limp. Your eyes will look a little more carefully for other obstacles. Your mouth will make noises. And even your hands may rub or squeeze the toe to make it feel better. Beneath the surface, the whole body mobilizes to help heal the toe. It should be the same in the family of Christ. But in order for us to even begin to support each other as a family of God, we have to know each other. So how are we doing Romans twelve, our reading for the t- today, is the final place where the word Philadelphia occurs, and gives even a bit more of an idea about what brotherly love should look like. Please tune with me over to Romans chapter twelve. Romans twelve, reading verse ten to six to sixteen. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. That's our word Philadelphia again. And honour preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another, minds not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own consents. Look at what brotherly love does, honours each other, prefers one another, gives to those who have need hosts each other, blesses each other, rejoices with them who are happy, empathizes with those who are sad. We know these things, and we know that we should do these things. But slow down and think about how we're acting as a family of believers. Are we of this mind to all our brethren? Do we treat all our brethren with honour? And even if we are doing all this, what sort of attitude do we have when we do it? For example, Laura is my sister, and when I think about it, I would be willing to do anything to help her. There's nothing that would be an inconvenience, although I might joke and complain about it. But when someone else asks me to do something, it becomes inconvenient. If my sister was broken down on the other side of town and calls me, I'm going to go and help her. But if I'm really honest with myself, if someone else was broken down on the other side of town and called me, I'd probably hesitate. I might ask them if there was someone else closer that they could call. I might still go, but grudgingly, what sort of attitude have I shown? Am I serving my brothers and sisters as though I'm serving Christ himself? The second great commandment given by our Lord is love your neighbor as yourself. If we're supposed to do good to all men and treat every person as our neighbour, how much higher a standard should we have in our interactions with each other? Romans 12 verse 9 brings up one more facet of brotherly love, an aspect of our interactions that keeps this from being just a touchy-feely exhortation. It's a little bit more clearer in the New King James let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. We are called to love one another, not just showing loving actions with a hypocritical dislike of each other. This is the point of the first part of the verse. But the second is what brings up another aspect of loving our brethren as though they were our family. Honouring others in our ecclesia does not mean agreeing with everything they do. We are going to disagree. We're going to sin and stumble, and we're all going to fall short of God's glory. Rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep can't mean to just emphasize and empathise and agree with a brother or sister's sin. Galatians 6 gives some more clarity about what we should do if we read verse 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfil the law of Christ hating the evil as Romans 12 verse 9 tells us to do doesn't mean writing off our brothers and sisters when they sin. It means we support one another trying to help each other toward the kingdom. We approach each other in humility building on the foundation of the Philadelphia love we already should have for each other. We know that All of us are doing things that we don't want to do and don't do the things that we should be doing. Why are we so quick to condemn others with our words? Well, it's so much easier to talk about others' faults than our own and easier to talk about others than to them. It's easy to allow petty things to change our relationships with each other or to stand far off and pass judgment on each other's motives. But we are called to comfort each other when needed, with humility and with discretion, and always with the goal of seeing your brother or sister accepted by Christ when he comes. Which brings me back to the questions I asked at the start. If you weren't doing well spiritually, who would know? Who would be willing to show brotherly love and contact you? Who would you be willing to con- and able to contact? What about if you're physically suffering? As a body of believers, brotherly love is something we're not good at. Some of us are better than others, and we're better at it with some people than with other people. But as a whole, we're pretty poor. We make excuses. We're too busy. They're too busy. We're really stressed right now. We're too young. They're too old. We don't get along well with them because of something they said last year that we never forgot. It's harder in this society to make good relationships. The list can go on and on. But when we think about it, the heart of the matter is simple. We're selfish creatures. Without God's influence, we're just going to do the things that make us feel good in some way. We're so caught up in our own worlds, our own stories, and our own desires, that we don't have the time or the energy to think about our brethren. Even worse, we're deceived and don't want to think about how selfish and wicked we are. Think that's a bit strong? It's no stronger than what Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There's nothing new in this exhortation to love one another. But how are you actually doing? I know that I'm not doing very well. The way we act with each other, the love that we show, is the the way that the world knows that we are Christ's disciples. It's how we practice being part of the family of God. Yahweh has set us up in ecclesias deliberately with people that we don't agree with because they don't think like us. The body of Christ is supposed to have many different body parts. There are many different jobs in the kingdom, and there will need to be somebody to fill them all, from healing the nations to destroying the kingdoms of men once and for all. And we all need to keep the kingdom in view. We're not going to be perfect. It doesn't matter how hard we try, we will all fall short of the glory of God. And even though we're pretty poor at showing brotherly love to each other, we are called to try again and again. We're called to grow like the disciple of the Lord did. And looking at the nights that the Lord was betrayed, we see two contrasting examples. The imperfect example of the disciples and the perfect example of our Lord. Please turn with me over to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, reading verse 32 to 41. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy, and said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground, and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Ever, Father, all these things are possible, and all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh, and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them sleeping again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough, the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. We know the story, but consider today that on the night Christ was going to be tortured and killed, the night that was the pinnacle of Christ's mission to manifest God to the world, the most difficult night when Christ asked his best friends to sit with him and watch, they fell asleep three times. Yet the Lord's response was not harsh, emotional or condemning. By the world's standards, he would have every right to be angry. Yet He confronts Peter for his good, knowing that Peter would deny him and needed to be praying as well. He looked to the well-being of his disciples, giving them the empathy that they didn't give him. He showed them perfect love, caring for them on the night of his death. His mind would have been full of the things he had to do, yet he thought of them. He would have been stressed and sleep deprived, yet he didn't let that affect the care and concern that he had for his brethren, even though when he needed them the most, they failed him. Also notice that this is not the end of the story. The disciples were tired, scared, and on the whole selfish on the day that their master died. However, they would grow to be pillars in the ecclesia, spreading the good news of the resurrection for the rest of their lives. They would grow to be shepherds in the ecclesias of, of Jews and Gentiles, where pressures from within and without would threaten to tear the ecclesias apart. But in their love, they helped to bring many others to hope and to keep them on the path to eternal life. Hebrews 13 verse 1 tells us, Let the brotherly love continue. We've looked today at some of the practical sides to showing love in in our ecclesial family. And none of this is new information. But the distance between knowing this and doing it is the difference between eternal life and death. And as we look on the table before us and remember the work of our Lord, My hope is that all of us would be inspired a little more to show more brotherly kindness to each other. As our Lord told his disciples in John 13, verse 15 to 17, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. We know these things. Now let us do them.
1: Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks Podcast. We hope this talk helped you in your walk. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe for new episodes and leave a review in Apple Podcast or whichever service you are using to help more people find the show when they search for it. If you enjoyed this particular talk, please share it with someone who you think might enjoy it as well. For show notes on the talk you just listened to, visit our show page at anchor.fm GCT or check the show notes section of your podcast player. Please share your thoughts on the talk from this week on our Facebook or Instagram pages, where we are at good Christadelphian talks on Twitter, where we are at GCT underscore podcast, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where these talks are posted as well. If you know of a great talk, we want to know about it too. Send a suggestion to our email at good talks at gmail.com or message us on any of our social media accounts. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.